It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson. Today, we are joined by a very interesting woman. Natalie Miles is a designer and project manager in the construction industry. And she's also a member of Professional Women in Building. It's an organization that advocates and supports women in the construction-related fields, in construction-related fields. And Natalie, first of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, so she was introduced to me by a friend. Yeah. And the moment she says to me, she's part of this organization. And she, at the time, she was able to send me the, the link uh, to PWB. It's, it's utahpwb.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or is it dot .org? No, dot it's com. .com. Is it dot yeah. .com? Okay. I, I made that mistake. All right. <laughs> so explain, you know, talk a little about, about yourself, your background, and kind of how you came to be involved in construction and, and, and its related fields. Yeah, I took kind of the non-traditional route when it comes to construction. I grew up in construction. My dad, my brothers, my uncles, my grandpas, they're all they're all in construction. Um, HVAC and plumbing is kind of their field. Mm-hmm. So I come from a blue-collar family. One of my first jobs in high school was installing HVAC with my dad and my brother, mm-hmm. and that was kind of fun. I've always been really good with tools. My dad would buy me tools all the time, or if I needed to fix something, I would get my dad on the phone like dad what do I do and he would walk me through something I still do this yeah you know I'm 53 and I still get my dad on FaceTime now yeah yeah it's great <laughs> How do you do this right awesome. I spent a lot of time in dad's shop and just sitting on a bench and and watching him and talking to all the buddies that came in and I've just always have loved the construction process and and being part of building homes it's always intrigued me um, as an adult, as when I got older and was done having kids and was re-entering the workforce, it's kind of like, well, what am I going to do? I started a home staging company with my sister-in-law, and we were really smart, and we started it about the time that we hit a recession. <laughs> <laughs> so this around the 2008-ish time, Yes, right? yes, okay. correct. Uh, we got really lucky, though, because our main clients that we had were people that flip homes. And so at that time during the recession, unfortunately, there were a lot of homes that were foreclosed and being sold at the bank. But in return, those were our clients. It was a lot of repeat business. And so we actually grew substantially during the recession, which is incredible to say for anybody in right. in, in some any sort of construction type business in real estate. Because construction back then was kind of down for a long time. I mean, it, well, it, new yeah. construction it, it, really it, especially new construction. Yeah. So you yeah. were able to find people who weren't necessarily building new houses, but kind of updating ones already existed. Yeah. People were still buying homes. We weren't building big mansions on the hillsides, but people were still needing homes mm-hmm. to live in. People were still buying. And so a lot of your custom co- home builders, they were 
flipping homes as well because they still needed the work and that's where they found a niche for it. And so with having the repeat clients, I got really comfortable with the people that I worked with. And when they would ask me, you know, what did I think of the home? What were my thoughts about it? And I got to the point where I was really comfortable and really honest. And I said, well, you did a good job, but I hate this pink color. And where did you get that tile? Was it like on clearance at Home Depot? Like, what's going on? They're like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it's just kind of dated. Well, I've been using the same color for the last 10 years. And it's like, well, that's the problem. That's right. yeah. You know, trend, trends have changed. And they're like, well, what would you do? And so I started suggesting different colors and finishes. And and then I was approached to be like, can can we pay you to give us our, our selections and and um, we'll do this for six months in that time. Then you can create a new package for us. I was like, you're going to pay me for this? This is like cool. I like this. And the word kind of spread through the community. And pretty soon I was doing this for a lot of guys that were flipping homes and building homes. And and I really enjoyed it. And at that time, I looked into interior design school. I thought, well, I, I really like this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'd like to make a career out of this and not just stage homes. And um, looking through the programs, there wasn't really anything that was taught about the processes of building a home and and designing new builds and and this sort of thing, you know how to how to pick out plumbing fixtures and light fixtures and and flooring and cabinets and and all that. And so I took it on myself just to learn what I could, and that was by being comfortable on a job site and talking to the electrician, to the plumber, to the tile guys, and and going to if there was a continuing education class somewhere, then I would take the time and and go there. And I I just kind of learned to do things on my own. And as we came out of the recession, um, a lot of the guys that went back to building homes took me along with them. And at that point, I was doing spec homes and then custom homes. And um, one time, I, we had a home, and it was in the Prada Homes. I was really excited to be the designer of it because it was this was my biggest project to date. And um, we end up sweeping the awards with that house. We won every award that we could in the Prada Homes. And I was like, hey, this is this is it. This, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And um, I've kind of gone from there. I've There's not a lot of designers that know the construction process, that are comfortable being on a job site and can so walk. You, you touched on something that I think is key, the comfort at a job site. Yeah. My dad a was male also, dominated job site. Yes. My dad was also uh, he was a, a framer and and did, my uncle did cement work, um, so they did a lot of um, construction when I was a kid and I went to the job site with him, and uh, one of the things I didn't like about it was that it was all ornery old guys, yeah. <laughs> or, you know ornery dudes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they talked like sailors. They you know ate junk food, which I did love, um, but you know I loved being with my dad and I did love the. the you know, it's amazing to be involved in a creation process. I love this about gardening. I love this about building. You, There's nothing there or there's a, a pile of something and then you mm-hmm. turn it into something that's going to be loved and cherished or yeah. needed, right? Yep. So that, I, I understand that passion. But I just wonder about this comfort level. Like, were you always comfortable? Because I would say right now, if I walked onto a construction site and started, I, I know I remodeled my house. Yeah. I'd, I forced my dad to come down from Alaska and hang out with me for two months because I said, I cannot speak their language. I'd feel like they're taking advantage of me and I'm not comfortable with them here. It's my house. Yeah. And so yeah. I just wonder about that comfort level, like how and why. And yeah, it definitely took me some time to be comfortable being on a job site. In the beginning, not knowing anything about anything, 
I was I was learning. So it was very scary to me, you know. I'll be honest, you know, being the only female on a job site, I never see another female on a job site. And it is it's very intimidating. Um, but that is something that pushes me. That's what gives me drive is something if something is kind of scary or exciting, it's kind of the adrenaline rush, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, do you know what? I'm going to show up like I'm supposed to be here and that I belong here. And that's the way that I earn respect to be on a job site. Yeah. You know, and that's what I would do. I would just, you know, if there were cat calls or anything that made me feel uncomfortable, Which there I were. would just, let's be clear. There is, you know, <laughs> um, I would just let that roll off my back and just ignore it. And, mm-hmm. and it comes to the point where you're working on the same job sites and you kind of see the same people. And once people know who you are and know that you're comfortable being there and that they can't take advantage of you, then that's where the comfort comes from. But it's not, it's not easy and it doesn't come easy for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that we're hoping to change by inspiring more women to go into construction trades. You know, we need we need more women in the workforce, but we need women to be comfortable to be in a male dominated field. So when we come back, I want to kind of lead more into that, because, again, when when you're the only person and like you said, I, I know you were comfortable. You made yourself comfortable because you you have enough self-confidence to do that. Uh, we, we all know that being the only woman or person of color someplace it can't all it's not always easy and not everybody is uh built to did i just say that it's, uh, it's made yeah. to uh um, no pun intended uh, no joke. pun intended sort of <laughs> uh, built to be able to handle that kind of thing and i i would like to talk to you about you know the, the kind of strength you have to be able to not only uh be there but flourish being there because you got people to listen to you a guy walks in and you, you tell him you know your stuff looks fine but it's really old looking and he says yeah. well can you fix it for me not everybody gets that fortunate, but then to be able to parlay that into something that is a career is, I think, is admirable. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion with uh, Natalie Miles. This is Voices of Reason. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Back with the Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, speaking today with Natalie Miles. She's a designer and project manager in the construction industry, and she's been telling us about kind of how she got into it, uh, being in a, a male-dominated field that is funny. Uh, Amy and I frequently have talked about being uh, kind of uh, the minority in the room. The isolated, the only uh, yeah. one, the token. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons we started the podcast. We would talk to each other, and, <laughs> and we kind of realized through that, oh, 
you know, I feel I like this conversation. I like right. talking about what's bothering me or why I feel left out or isolated. And um, I mean, I th- that's one of the things I think is interesting about the nonprofit uh, that you are involved with that tries to, you know, entice women or encourage women to become, you know, to, to enter into the fields that are associated with building. But Jason and I, when we were talking about the comfort level, I wondered um, – you can talk to them about what they can do for themselves and how you can just follow your dreams. Or like Jason said, sometimes you just have that fortitude to Mm -hmm. plow through or deal with it or whatever. But how do you, if you really plan to make this, and these are inviting careers for women. And um, we're going to talk a little bit later about a project that you did with all women builders. Um, How, how do you make this a more inviting space for them? Because my guess is that, there are builders you work with that are amazing and you would have no problem encouraging women to work with that in that environment. But I'm sure there's been environments where you think no woman should have to be subjected to that. Yeah, correct. I think that what we need to do is have more communication with our male counterparts that are in the industry and make them more aware of how uncomfortable women feel on the job site. And that's if they want to retain good hard workers, which women are, they need to feel comfortable where they are. Mm -hmm. And for me, I would love to see if a woman was hired onto a new position on a job site, I would love to see that superintendent, the general contractor, the owner, like whoever is in charge of that job to be able to take that woman around and make introductions to the team and make it very clear that I will not tolerate any misconduct when it comes to this female on the job. I mean, outside of individuals wanting to be in the building profession, what good does it do to entice women into this profession? There is a huge shortage of labor when it comes to the construction Mm. trades. Huge, huge. And women only make up 3% of the workforce when it comes to construction-related careers. 3%. And so women are very talented. Women are very capable of working in the trades. And I think that's a big missed opportunity where you, if we can feed more women into the trades, trades, actually, they make a little more money than the traditional jobs exactly. that are open to women, like that's waitressing right. and right. And, and cleaning. Exactly. They're great Although careers. That would be considered a professional. But if we're talking right. about things you can do without you know, much formal education, right? Right. I mean, and you, let's you be really- honest, there's a lot of kids that do not fit that mold of mm-hmm. having that formal education. They're not college-bound kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and we need to be able to create opportunities for them. You know, what better places are than the construction environment? There's so many great jobs that women and and men also can pursue, and they are great paying jobs. If you could be a master electrician or plumber, first of all, I had a plumber come to my house. (laughs) I paid him $75 for him to tell me that the problem you had was that the thing I put on here to make it work uh, in case something bad happened, it worked. That was it. Yeah, that's yeah. a great job. You know, exactly. And, and I, I can't not pay him. So, no, yeah. right. I, I will say. I mean, I, I can see a few reasons. I mean, one of them is just women have an interest in being in building, and to assume that women don't love physical labor is a huge mistake. I really enjoyed it. Now, I enjoyed it a lot more twenty years ago when I was fitter and younger. <laughs> but I love, and I have a sister who absolutely loves building things. She loves working with my dad. Um, I am a little bit impatient. Like I, I love to get to the end product, but I think w- there are women who really love physical labor, and so it's an it's an assumption that we make that like, well, 
you know, what, what reason would you want? Well, the same reasons that men enjoy it. You work outside. It's different every day. Um, and if you are good at it, you can kind of set your own, you can have some control over what, some autonomy and it pays better. And then I think the other thing is any different perspective on what you're building, you know, my mom was constantly giving my dad good advice about like, there are not enough closets in this house, in this design, Mm -hmm. or you need more drawers or in this bathroom or two sinks will save your marriage. You know, (laughs) there are a lot of things like that, that you might not think about if you're just doing it by yourself. Right. And women bring a different perspective when it comes to home building with with their more creative ideas or their organizational skills. And being in building, there's there's a lot of avenues. If you're a creative, artistic Mm -hmm. kind of person, I mean, man, you'd be great at laying tile. You'd be great at finished carpentry. Mm -hmm. There's so many different things that women could be really good at that are not necessarily even hard labor physical labor yeah i mean granted there are jobs that are yeah but i know women who love to I, there were i a lady when i had some concrete board one of the crew members was a woman and she absolutely loved cement work yeah like i was just like what why you know yeah. but but i probably would say that about a lot of different kinds of jobs right there's a right. lot of jobs where i think i'm you know the people who pour the road thing i think that right. would literally be my nightmare job because <laughs> Smell and heat. Right. Well, no, right. but I mean, kind yeah. of what Natalie says. I mean, there's two yeah. things going here, right? Uh, you use your creativity, particularly in, in building, and, and we all go into a house, and there's something about, uh, we call it a woman's touch, right? But they make it homey. Whereas mm-hmm. a guy, we, we think we make it, you know, cool looking. But in truth, it may not be that functional. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't understand how anybody still builds hallways because they're just wasted <laughs> space, you yeah. know? But a, a, a woman could give you a sense. Because when you, uh, if, if it's a couple, generally speaking, the woman is making that house, you know, functional and make make it work. Whereas the guy, you know, he kind of looks around and and just waits and uh, does what he's told. Right? Why not have that at the beginning of the process so that some of that functionality is built into the place by somebody who understands how it can be used most effectively? Right. Exactly. And it's, it's simple things like. Why don't I have electrical outlets in my pantry that are counter level so I don't have to all have all my appliances sitting out and junking up my kitchen area. I can put them in my pantry and plug them in and, you know, if I need a can opener or something really simple, it's it's right there instead of cluttering up a beautiful space. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very simple things that a woman can kind of think beforehand of what functions for a woman and for a family and, and in a home for her. You know, and when that's implemented in the building process, and you can you can have a pretty incredible home. You mentioned a lot too about um, it's it's not all uh, we we talk about some of the physical jobs, which are very important, obviously, but the design work because we we also don't give women enough credit for being uh, smart and creative. When in actuality, I think they're probably more creative than most guys are in, in the sense that they understand how things are used, not just how they should look. And, and so I'm wondering say, how you get involved in that more. But I think that we're, we're into a lot of stereotypes here. And one of the things I like about this is it's, it. is it's breaking stereotypes, right? Because yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think of my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law, is, we call him Martha Stewart. He's the decorator. He's the designer, right? He's the mm-hmm. functional guy. Um, and my sister's the one who loves to work with my dad and loves to work with her hands. So I do think this, what I love about what you're doing and this discussion is like, Maybe like come step outside of like why, and I do think this is the value in having different perspectives. You don't know what you're going to get because you don't know what people bring to the table. Mm. They might be like you say that functional, homey, 
how do I use this person? They might be, how does this withstand an earthquake person, right? Like that's my dad. Right. Everything he builds is like, it's like German built. It's never going to be destroyed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I, I think that's kind of the interesting thing about what you're doing with your organization. Well, okay. we'll, 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 we're going to come back. We're going to yeah. start job. Cause I want to talk about your project too. Yes, yes. Okay. Cause I, I am dying to talk about that project by the way. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're speaking with Natalie Miles. She's a project manager and project manager in construction and a designer and she's uh, with an organization called Professional Women in Building, and that organization advocates and supports women in the construction-related fields and trades. This is Voices of Reason. We are back with Voices of Reason. Amy Donaldson, Jason Lee, speaking today with Natalie Miles, Who's with an organization called Professional Women in Building, and I want tell me about PWB. It's a national organization with with local chapters. Is that right, Natalie? Yeah, that is correct. We're a national organization within the Home Builders Association, and we are a Utah chapter. We are the Utah PWB, and we were disorganized um, probably just over three years ago. And when I found out about this organization through our Home Builders Association. I was like, what? There's other women out there that do what I do? This is incredible. And you've like, been in the business a little while. I've been then. in it for quite a while. Yeah. And very rarely do I see any woman on the job site. So when I found out there was a whole group coming together, I was like, wow, yeah, I'm in. And went to their first kind of event. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Sign me, sign me up. What, what are we doing again? I what, what jumped was in. it that excited you about hearing about this? I mean, what excited you? I was really excited to collaborate with other women in the industry you know, mm-hmm. because I love promoting other women and and I was so excited that I could network with other women that I could have other women on my job site so I could refer work to other women. I was I was really excited about the prospect of working with other women and seeing more women on my job sites. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things is that um, when you are like we've talked about being the only or the token or, you know, well, mm-hmm. we have representation. We have one person, you know, right? Um, which is how people feel sometimes. Like, well, we'll just ask the lady where do the closets go. So, right. Yeah. Um, but this idea that um, when you meet, so I wondered your first experiences when you met women, when you started working with them, was did you realize that oh, that's what had been missing? Like, I this is I love that. I mean, for me, it's a very edify, edifying experience when I was in sports. To collaborate with other women, I would like have that opportunity and think, oh, this is what I'm missing every single day. Like, oh, this is why we need more women. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it was very refreshing because you had somebody that you could bounce ideas off that wasn't as easy to have a conversation with maybe the contractor on the job or the electrician or whatnot. To be able to talk to another female and be like, what do you think of this? Or this trend is coming up. I don't know if I can get on board with this. And it was so nice to have another female that kind of thought the same way that I did and that you could just bounce ideas off and thoughts and Things that frustrate you. I mean, that that was actually kind of a big one. <laughs> I, I, I kind of threw it out there. It's like, can we just get together once a month and just complain about it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because these are experiences stresses. that you have in common that each time you feel it's like you, you're the only one having this uh, this experience. Yeah, correct. Correct. So I was really excited to find this organization and it being a new organization um, one of the discussions that came up early in, in it was, what what is our goal? What is our presence here in Utah? What are we going to do? Outside of complaining and dealing with frustrations, yes. what do we want to accomplish yeah. by getting together? But the big thing that everybody wanted to do is we wanted more women in the trades. And so how do we do that? 
you know, we thought we need to inspire younger generations to go into the trades. Mm -hmm. And so being in the education system was something that was very important to us from the very beginning. And um, it was kind of thrown out of, you know, it'd be really nice if we could have a scholarship fund to Mm -hmm. kind of excite girls about going into the trades and um, throwing around ideas about how that would happen. And if it's thrown out, somebody said um, at a roundtable discussion, uh, a male, Ashley, said, you guys should build a house all by females. And the women that were in the room, there was a couple of general contractors that were in there, and they were kind of looking at each other, and they're like, I think we could do that. You know, the kind of wheels were spinning in their heads of who they knew. I'm like, I think we can do that. And it was kind of... It was kind of thrown out of like, you guys can't really do that. There's not enough women, you know, and it was like, no, I, I think we can. I think we can do that. And so based off of that, we had this crazy idea to build this home all by females and we just hit the ground running with it and come to find out it has never been done before in the nation. Never has there been in a America? home built by all women trade labor. Wow. There's different programs, um, Habitat for Humanity. They have a lot of females that help out on their jobs, and they do Women's Week, and they do a really good job of getting women involved in their programs. But from start to finish, it's never been done. Exclusively women. Holy yeah. Cow. yeah, yeah. And these are professional women, so it's not like you just went and got, you know, just whoever a wanted to volunteer. Come we, here and help me paint. Yeah, like, these are women who are working. This is what they do for a living, right. and so we kind of as. As we got into this, we found out just, man, there really are not a lot of women in a lot of these trades. And we struggle to find a lot of women in the trades. And um, we fell back on if we couldn't find a woman to do the job, we would try to find a female-owned company so that we could promote her company. And we would ask if us volunteers within the organization could come and help or learn how to do it. Mm. And worst case scenario, if we couldn't find a woman to do it or a female-owned company, we would ask somebody in the industry if they would come do it but would they show us how to do it and let us work alongside with them okay and so we ended up being about maybe 90 percent being all female working on it and outside of that that last percentage was was men that came in let us work alongside with them so what industry did you find to have a hard time where you just had to have men help you Concrete <laughs> foundations. <laughs> That's so hard. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. yes, it's a hard job. But I learned how to tie rebar and help with the foundations. I mean, it was it was fun and yeah. it was hard work. Do I want to do it every day? No, no. But, but there's a value you know. in, in learning to do it because, mm-hmm. like, think of what you could do if you think of how valuable that skill is. And they get paid well. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. You know? I mean, this is the thing that I find so disheartening is. If you want to get out of school, the if come right out of high school, men can make a living in some of these trade jobs, whereas women are shuffled into jobs that it's really hard to make it unless mm-hmm. you have two jobs. Right, exactly. And so take a look at some of these jobs, like you're saying, maybe not tying rebar for concrete. Or, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. maybe try it. I mean, if this yeah. – Try it. To me, I always feel like, like you say, you now have the you an understanding of what it takes, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's this part of me that says – your introduction gives you the know-how to maybe do it yourself next time. You recognize, and it's a tough job. Maybe you start out with a, sm- a driveway, yeah. you know, not the whole foundation. Or at or least yeah. you have the know-how. This is the thing I learned about working with my dad to know when you're being taken advantage of. Right. Like that's such a valuable exactly. skill. Exactly. Even if you never intend to build anything, yeah, to be able to speak the language and understand 
what's being said to you, I think is immensely valuable skill. Absolutely. But yeah, I I was able to have the experience and and a lot of people on my team to have that hands-on because we Mm -hmm. couldn't find women in the trade, but we're able to get our hands-on. We helped with with framing and with the concrete and learned how to do thin brick. Um, <laughs> there was there was a lot. I actually installed me and another. We only found one other female that does HVAC, and mm-hmm. she couldn't do it all by herself. And I was like, do you know what? I was kind of my background <laughs> has been a minute since I have done it. But I jumped in, and I helped this other female. And we installed the HVAC and the gas lines in there, and it was so fun to, to be on the job site and be able to learn different skills. And I, I would do a post on my social media. I was like, well, I got another notch in my tool belt. I learned how to do this today. And it is. It's very it's very rewarding to learn something new and exactly to what you said about knowing how things are supposed to work and and getting that hands-on experience. And so knowing now on job sites that I'm not being taken, you know, when I show up and I'm having a meeting with somebody on a job site, I know what I'm talking about. I'm more educated on that, right? Yeah. Um, when I, it's, I've had this conversation with other people when it comes to women in male-dominated fields, that matter of, of trust you know, when a woman brings their car to get repaired into right. an auto shop, you rarely see a female in there. Rarely is there a female working on your car is going to come talk mm-hmm. to you and tell you what you need or what you don't need, you know. Mm-hmm. And so as a female, that's that's kind of scary going into these kind of situations and needing repairs, whether it's on your house or your car or wherever. And you have to trust that person that they are doing the right for you. Right, right. And, and, doing and right half by the you. time you don't even understand the language they're using to you. Yeah. When they start talking about parts and, you know, converters <laughs> yeah. and stuff yeah. like that, like that's that's actually part of the problem too. When we come back, yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about PWB and then I know that this house that you guys are building is going into uh, Utah Valley Parade of Homes, which also a very big deal. And I, you know, just how it is that the organization is making pathways to find, have more women find their way into the construction fields. Speaking today with Natalie Miles, who's a professional woman in the construction field, which we, we know, we just say only 3% of, of women are in those trades. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity that's being missed out and a lot of creativity that's being missed out as well. We'll continue our discussion. Amy Donaldson, Jason Lee, this is Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, Voices of Reason, joined today by Natalie Miles. She's a designer and project manager in the construction industry. She's also part of an organization called Professional Women in Building that advocates and supports women in the construction fields. You know, I mistakenly mentioned something about uh, the house that you guys built for the Utah Valley Parade of Homes. It actually already happened? Yes, it already happened. The house is built. It's complete. We broke ground last September. And we finished in May. It was showcased in the Utah Valley Parade of Homes in June. And it was such an amazing experience because when people would come through the house to tour the house, we would have we would have little girls, we would have young women come through the house. And when these younger kids would come through, I would make sure that I grab them and tell them, Welcome to the house that she built. Have you heard about us? And they're like, No, just that it's been was built by girls. I was like, Yeah, and I look in the eyes, I said, We built this house for you. They kind of gave me a second, like, what, are you talking to me? I was like, yeah, we built this house for you. And I would explain to them how women came from across the country, actually, to build this house. 
so that we could inspire younger generations to go into the trades. I said, this was all built by women from the ground up. And we want to show you what you're capable of doing, that there is room for you in, in the construction. Mm-hmm. And so with the sale of this house, we're taking 60% of the proceeds from the sale of the house to create a scholarship fund for girls in Utah so they can pursue construction-related careers. So that is where we're going the direction with this. Is this we built this amazing platform, a physical mm-hmm. platform, to show younger generations what they're capable of doing we did this amazing thing, yeah, and we want to showcase that. We want to share that with all these younger generations and be and tell them we want you. We want you in the construction industry. There is room for you if you have an interest in wood, woodworking, and you like working with your hands. Yeah, come be a finished carpenter. Do finish. So why don't we do this in every state? That's what we're hoping to do. We've had a lot of national attention with what we're doing. And we've been asked by the National Association of Home Builders Association and Home Builders Institute and the National Council of Professional Women Building. They want us to write the guidebook about how they can take this to their market. Because if we can do this in our market here in Utah and inspire young women into the trades here, imagine what that's going to look like if that happens in every single state, that there's a house that she built in every single state. And these scholarship funds are provided for for women in every single state. I mean, we can make a big difference. We can really make a dent in the in the industry. Yeah. I mean, I think I, as you were talking about sort of the scholarship opportunities, which, you know, are ama- that's an amazing idea. And I think it's one way to create change. I also think like, what could you do about junior high and high school shop teachers? And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you get women in those roles or have teachers who welcome girls and women into those situations? Because, I mean... I took shop in high school twice, two different <laughs> two different versions of it. You know, one was like woodworking and one was like working with tools and and I like a more of a, like a mechanics type thing, but um it was not a welcoming environment. Now this is the 80s, so it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. But I just wonder if much of that's changed, right? Cuz it's not a I don't think yeah. it's something women like, you know what I'd love to do? Change my own oil. <laughs> right? I, and I think I think that's starting to change. They took shop and a lot of those classes out of the high schools for a while, but they're in some areas they're starting to reintroduce them. And that's the step that we're taking now. We've been having meetings with school districts, mm-hmm. um, with the tech colleges. And Maybe that's, that's how they do it now is they yeah. do like go to the tech college so you you just need to work with the college. Yeah, that's and that's a good the conversation yeah. we're having now with the school districts. We we're sharing with them what we did in our scholarship fund and our platform. And we're now asking school districts across the state of how do we get involved with you, with you, within the education system to be able to mentor and inspire girls to take this avenue. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited. We had a really great meeting with Provo School District, and they want us to have a meeting with their guidance counselors, which is mm-hmm. where I think there's a very big step for us. I think mm-hmm. we need to get through the guidance counselors and to parents. Because those are the ones that are going to be pushing their children to different yeah, avenues right. and letting them know what opportunities they have. And so if these guidance counselors know that there's opportunities for women in, in the trades and they see these girls are like, I really want to take shop, then that guidance counselor can be like, do you know what? There's these great women, the professional women in building. They have a scholarship. You know, if this is something you want to pursue, you know, yeah, t- take shop, take welding. You know, let's let's explore this avenue. From, for, as the mother of daughters, it's not just that there's this opportunity and maybe there's scholarship money available. 
it's that there's an organization that is going to make sure that this is an inviting and safe place for my kid. Because my experience would be, I don't know if you want to turn it, go into electrical or HVAC or mm-hmm. if my daughter was interested in that. Because I would think, like, our experience is, like, it's a lonely and sometimes um, disheartening disheartening um, situation to be in. And I don't want you to feel isolation in your work. I want you to feel supported and I don't want you to be sexually harassed. Right, right. Know? And we're working on providing a mentor system for once these girls get through these programs. And as they go through the programs, that they know that we're here and that we're here to mentor them and that we're here to do internships. And we're here whether they work with one of us and do an internship or or, or whether we're mentoring them and they come to us and ask, ask questions, that we want to provide this network. And maybe it's through... Um, our male colleagues that we know are supportive of women and, you know, Mm -hmm. we'd be happy to refer like, you you know, you should go um, talk to this builder over here or this electrician. They're a really good friend of ours. They they work on my jobs all the time. And so that's what we're hoping to do is to be able to provide a network and a mentorship for these girls that they go through this program. You know, when you look at this, I I feel like you're fighting for something, it's equality, equity, all mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. But uh, you, you also have to do some convincing for the for the audience that you're trying to attract, right? Right. And what? How do you kind of overcome women's? You know, even when you're little, you still get kind of told where the path you're probably going to take. How do you? How do you? Like when you mentioned to that young lady, uh, you know, we built this house for you, and then you. I mean, obviously, you explain to her what you, uh, what you meant, and then hopefully that kind of resonates with her. How do you find? That, that that one part that says more and more women decide I want to do it, that I, I want to take the opportunity that's presented to me despite the fact that there may be some some drawbacks as I'm trying to accomplish something. Yeah, I feel like our presence and using this platform with our house, I think that if we get women, if we get girls excited about it, you know, that's our big mission about getting involved in the schools is to share the different careers, you know, because you might begin design or you could be a, a structural engineer or I mean, there's a place for women. Not every woman is built to be on on a job site. Mm-hmm. You know, some women are more behind the scenes and that's OK, too. But it's the education of all the jobs that are available in construction and that, you know, what your interests are. There's a spot for you at some part of that. Um, what you said about how there's kind of the the conversation already as in little girls and when you're very, very small, what kind of direction and careers are are suitable for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Whoever buys a little girl, the, a, the little hammer set, a right? A set that, of tools or yeah. right, right, whatnot. Right. I mean, girls get Barbies and, and cooking sets. Or a sets cooking set. Or whatever, like I've right? done it myself with my yeah. grandkids. I bought a little kitchen yeah. for my granddaughter. Yeah. And so with yeah. the house that she built, we actually inspired a children's book. We have a children's book that was written. It's called The House That She Built. And this is being backed by the National Association of Home Builders. And what we're hoping with this is we hope that it's going to be utilized as an education tool across the nation and, and in school libraries. At a very young age, in kindergarten and first grade, kids will be able to pull out a book out of their library, and it's the house that she built. And it's going to be this entire picture book showing jobs being done by women, excavation, electrician, um, HVAC, Mm-hmm. All of the jobs in construction, little girls will be able to see that. And I think that's part of the conversation that needs to be had is we need to show girls at a young age that traditional roles for women can be broken. 
that there are no traditional roles. Exactly. I think that's maybe the best message is that even if a little girl doesn't want to go into building, like it does make you think, why would something be off limits? Why, why mm-hmm. do you have limits? Yeah. Wh- right. Why? Why? Why are things mine and other things are not for men? I mean, there might be men who see this as an opportunity as well to go somewhere they're not currently being socialized. There's plenty to of male take. nurses these days. Yeah. yeah. And, exactly. And yeah. So there should be plenty of women time electricians when that was you know, tomorrow, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, yeah. starting yep. right now. Yep. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. And I. It's and thank you for Utah your PWB.com. <laughs> yep. And uh, check out the, the house that she built and. If there are young women, little girls, listen to this. Take the opportunities to do all the things you want to do. You have no limits. You can be an astronaut. You can be a builder. You can be an architect. You can do whatever you want. Don't let the world tell you otherwise. Uh, join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at vormed at gmail.com or vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Sports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at VOR Podcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or any place where you might find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.